Welcome to the Lifting Lindsay podcast. Today, I'm really excited to have Gillis Pellegrin on here with me. I guess I've just recently met you like a month, yeah. two ago. Yeah, yeah, we've been acquainted pretty relatively new. So we're kind of mm-hmm. in the beginning of learning about each other, if you will. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But I have been extremely impressed. I'm doing a, um, a like a certification mentorship with you. And yeah. After each one of your each one of your lectures, your hour long lectures, I'm always like, just can I have your brain? Like, (laughs) (laughs) sure. (laughs) I just, I just love it. I've been so impressed with your knowledge and your ability to teach too. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on here. Um, I'm going to have you introduce yourself as far as your background goes so that people can get a a good idea of who you are. And then I'm really excited to talk about cortisol because I get a ton of questions about this and I feel like you are the person to answer this. So go for it, Gillis. Yeah. So, you know, about myself and I'll kind of dive into like how we kind of came to about to where we are right, is, you know, a little bit about myself is, you know, from an academia standpoint, I've, you know, prior to even that, I was prior military. So I'd kind of always kind of had my foot in as far as being an athlete and always being really kind of in the know of like fitness. I've been a natural bodybuilder, all of the things. And kind of fast forwarding after, you know, my military life, I've always still kind of had that even before. So, in academia, I've actually gotten my four-year degree in nutrition, and at that point, I was really kind of at a at a um, at a crossroads in terms of either going the registered dietitian route or going for my master's. And I ended up opting to go for my master's in nutritional sciences, and so which is what brought me to Tampa, Florida. And I've kind of been residing here for almost a decade now, and. Um, but one of the things that really kind of brought me into like what we're going to talk about, talk about today is just through the experiences from where I've either worked, I've worked in a functional clinic primarily where we specialized on um, HRT and thyroid dysfunction. Mm-hmm. Um, but my placement was I was in the nutritional department. So kind of bridging all of the stuff that I've learned from academia and my own experience of working with people into the functional medicine realm and just seeing the correlations that I was seeing with patients that were either not being able to manage weight very well or just really struggling with poor quality of life. And just kind of really, it's interesting how this kind of comes around full circle because I used to pick the brains of all the doctors because I wanted to know for my, like, how is what I am bringing to the table correlating to what they know, right? Mm -hmm. And it worked really well. So in some cases, I would basically go over care plans that the doctors really kind of created for the patients. And oftentimes I found myself, it's funny because the patients would be like, I have no idea what she told me. Can you kind of break this down and explain? And so as I'm going through all of their stuff, I really just got you know to the point where I'm like, okay, how can I make it to where they understand exactly what the doctor talked about and how do we integrate why they're sitting in front of me and bridging the nutritional component of this together. And, um, and honestly, I just really developed a great relationship with all of the doctors and they were really receptive to all of the stuff that I brought when it came to the nutritional side of things, because before I came in, they were kind of the jack of all trades. They were doing it all. Mm -hmm. 
And so when I came to Sable, if I seen that there was something like, eh, I don't really know if that supplement that you're offering your patient is ideal. So instead of really kind of, you know, they were receptive is like, all right, I would find a study that really supported my claim and like why I felt this way. And because they were so busy, I would oftentimes just print them out. I'd put it in a Dropbox. And whenever they did have a moment to come speak with me, we would really just kind of, that's how we developed a relationship and just discussion and talking about it. And it really kind of helped to ease their job because they had the pressure of taking that off. And it really kind of helped me to bridge that. And fast forwarding, so we're not talking for an hour and just on my story, <laughs> um, <laughs> is that's how, you know, William and I became, you know, really close and really kind of developed what we have today is because at that moment, I was dealing with such high volume of patients that I knew needed the help that I couldn't necessarily individualize. And at that moment, William was also kind of seeing some of the same correlations of what I experienced in clinical, what he was experiencing in the coaching industry too, of some of these individuals that were just really struggling with body composition and recomposition and maintaining that. And so the difference is, is basically I had that ability to look at lab work be able to comprehend. And if I didn't understand it, I had a doctor that was there that I can pick their brain to kind of understand like, hey, can you help me understand a little bit better of like, this person is really suffering from this and why? what's the correlation? What's the connection there? And I was able to kind of really kind of bring some of that to the table with William and I. This is kind of fast forwarding. We've been working together for going on three years. And, you know, just by us having a conversation, we're like, we should really kind of expand this to other coaches mm -hmm. because like it's only two of us we have a capacity and to be a better change in impact is like you know i've always used that kind of that thought is like you know knowledge kept to yourself is dead knowledge because at the same time if you just keep it to yourself you're really not making any kind of positive change out there and so i've been really just very transparent and kind of being able to have that opportunity to help others, at, whether it's connecting the dot or if I know something that maybe they're struggling with. To me, I get a really good purpose in terms of helping people to see like something maybe they're struggling with, or maybe it's just an experiencing, right? Some of us, when we talk about coaches, there are, there are so many levels and experiences of things. And typically, I might have been just doing it a little bit longer than someone else that I can help them eliminate the struggle that I might have gone through, or maybe William's going through it at some point. Well, that's exactly why I came to you guys is because I was getting to the point where I, I feel like this is very common. When coaches first start out, they they don't see a, a huge pull of individuals. They typically may just, sure. may just pull like newbie dieters in. The more I got into fitness, I, I started bringing in different pools of individuals people who had been chronic dieting and dieting. Yeah. they they wanted to see kind of that last bit of like muscle being built and last bit of fat loss. And they had been hammering at it for so long and just spinning like around in circles could not figure out. So then yeah. they'd see me and they're like, okay, so sh she'll have the answers. And the answers that I had were the ones that they didn't want to hear. Because it was typically, sure, of course, like you have been doing this for a long time. You're right. I actually do believe you have been eating so little. I know a lot of coaches don't believe mm -hmm. you. I actually do believe it yeah. because my experience had broadened to the point where I had been seeing 
those individuals. Yeah, I had been seeing people who were just not as on point with diet as they thought. Of course, yeah. Because they're those people and sometimes I'm that person. Sometimes I think I've... We all are. Yeah, right? We all are. (laughs) Exactly. And so sometimes it just takes a coach to bring awareness to it. But there were other people who were very experienced but chronic dieters. Yes. My solution was always like, we've got to pull you out of this. We've got to have you eating more. We've got to have you moving less. And it was interesting because they would say, well, why? And I'm like, because it works. I don't know all of the ins and outs. Yeah. And and that's actually one of the reasons why I went to you and Will is because I'm like, hey, I need to know the ins and outs so that I can actually be more precise with this method. I know this is working. I have ideas as to why, but I really want to nail it down so I can reduce my guesswork. Does that make sense? Yes, absolutely. I think as you reduce your guesswork, it also builds that level of coaching confidence too, of knowing that you have the answer, that you're, you have more an in-depth answer to the client that's asking, well, why, right? When we think of like, we get the client acquisition and we get the clients coming in, you know, what I've often seen is that where the retention lies is really when you're able to have that ability to kind of empower the client to where they know exactly what their vision, like what your vision is for them. And they understand the vision and that path that you've kind of laid out for them, right? Mm-hmm. You're not getting so many reactive like questions from the client because they understand what you're laying out and you're they understand they understand that because you have a better they have a better understanding of what you're putting out in front of them. Yeah. And I think a lot of times um on on social media or with clients or excuse me with coaches, coaches will say, "Well, you need to reverse diet." And the client's like, "Why?" And the coach is like, Well, because you need to reverse diet. And we kind of have some surface level answers that if you're like me, me as a client, I'm like, I don't want the surface level answers. I actually want a little bit. I want to know the exact reason why. And so I've really enjoyed your guys's. I mean, we're what, four weeks in? Five, something like that. I can't remember exactly. Yeah, we're about five or six weeks in right now. We're halfway. Okay, we're we're at the halfway point. And so far, it's been really cool to be like, oh my gosh, like that. That's why, right there. And it's really cool to then go to my client and say, remember when I told you we needed to change your training up and we needed to actually increase your carbs? I can now tell you, exactly why your body loved that so much. Absolutely. And it's really empowering as a coach. Yeah, it is. You know, and it's so fascinating because I've had, you know, uh, I've had clients that have, you know, like we talked about earlier, right? Some clients that maybe are not always as adherent as we would like. And I have one that's been with me for about four weeks. And we had a discussion today about her macros and we were looking at them and she recently just got engaged this weekend. It's Memorial Day weekend. And I looked at this and I'm like, I just want to double check. Is this a typo? Like, I just want to make sure. Just double check. And she's like, nope, that's not a typo. I apologize, coach. I said, look, I always try to see the positive in things. I said, and so just to kind of be transparent, I had her her dietary fat set at about 50 grams. We're just starting out. So I'm really just looking for precision so I know how we can move forward. Yeah. And I asked her if it was a typo because she had 205 grams of fat. 
And I'm like, man, maybe she put that in a wrong place. I'm like, let me just double should check. I She's be like, impressed no. by this? Like, that's actually pretty. <laughs> that's Lindsay, crazy. that's exactly what I said. That's exactly. I said, I'm actually pretty impressed. <laughs> I mean, and she's like, oh, are you really? I said, to see your weight go up by 0. 0.6, when I, when I have you set at 50 grams of fat, and you're telling me that, no, that's actually accurate. You consume 205. That gives me so much hope that we just got to get, like, we just have to navigate the practicality of getting you more concise. Cause I can mm-hmm. see it's a social and a lifestyle thing. Yeah. That's the issue. But once we get that dialed in, you're nowhere near your potential as an individual to thrive. Mm. Like, if you're not even gaining a pound from 50 to 200 grams of fat, you have so much room for growth. Oh, man. Yeah. That's exciting. Overhaul in life. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Exactly. And so it's just a perspective. And I think that you like, like you said, though, like we get a lot of, you know, people that come in with so much diet culture ingrained in their mind that we have to kind of rewire that. And you're right, right? We have to know the answers in terms of because what they're hearing from us is very foreign and new to them. Mm-hmm. Like we're telling them something completely different over the last two decades of diet culture has given them. You know what I mean? Yep, exactly. And because of that, there's so much fear. Absolutely. Coaches love saying, trust the process. But at the same time, people need a little bit more than a coach just repeating over and over again, trust the process, trust the process. If you can even provide more education that actually gives them a little bit more of a grip to hold on to versus your vague words of just trust me and trust the process. Yes. So I, I love what you guys are doing. I think it's awesome. And today I want to talk about cortisol with you because this is one, and I'm just going to throw out a few things and you just take it and, and run with it how you feel you can best kind of educate um, on this subject. So I would say, this is something I've been thinking about a lot. I'm going to backtrack a little bit. I've been thinking about this a lot. I've been talking to hormone specialists. I've been talking to gut specialists. I've been talking to specialists on um, just, uh, I mean, overall metabolism or menopause. And it is fascinating to me because the the to-do list is always the exact same. It is literally the exact same to-do list. It is, and I'm sure you could probably repeat it with me here. It's walking, weightlifting, water, sleep, uh, stress management, and enough protein and making sure you're getting absolutely higher, like and, and the whole 80, 20, 80% whole foods, 20%, whatever. Like it is literally like I have talked to some brilliant individuals whose specialties range from one side to the other of health. I, I had a cancer doctor at my house yesterday. He's my, he's my neighbor. Okay. Same thing. He gave me the same exact list. And I was just dying because I'm like, there's, there's so many of them that people are like, okay, I'm willing to walk. I'm willing to weightlift. I'm willing to get the water in. But the two that are the hardest ones, what do you think that they are, Gillis? Can you guess? I'm just going to see. Are we on the same page? <laughs> I'm pretty No pressure. Right? <laughs> um, I would say the consistency and definitely the resistance training of 
the adherent side of things. Yeah. The, I mean, it is interesting to me. It's always like sleep and, and stress management. Yes. It's like always, a woman yeah. can, can track her macros and she will almost raise her cortisol tracking macros. There's been some interesting studies on that one. Um, yes. But it's like when it comes down to telling clients you need to sleep, it's like, I, but, but as soon as my kids go down, that's my only time alone. And I want to watch Netflix because I need some type of, they think it's, that's my stress reliever. I'm like, but you don't even realize you're entering a cycle. Absolutely. Yeah. That's actually working against your, your, you being lower stress because it's now low sleep, which moves into the next day, which is going to increase your stress. I mean, those are the two. And that's actually like really why I wanted to have you on here and have a discussion about cortisol is because it is so hard to tell clients um, that it needs to be a focus and cortisol and sleep need to be a focus. And then some of my clients, it's almost funny because I'm like, you are in so much denial that you are living on a scale of one to 10 for stress. Your life is a nine and a half and you are in so much denial. You're, you think you're at a one and you're like, what? Life is great. This is just my life, right? Absolutely. That's like the story of my life right there. Exactly what you just said. You know, it's like, it's so interesting to see that exactly like what you mentioned about like the cycle of getting yourself almost adapted to a very chaotic and very stressful environment to it becomes their norm to where they're desensitized to realizing it's an issue. Mm hmm. Until we actually have to bring it to light and say, hey, look, this is actually not normal. It's not normal that you're having such severe issues around like five days before your cycle. Like it's not it's not normal for you to live on five hours or six hours of sleep and say, hey, I'm perfectly normal. You know, these are all little things that I think that people get very, very kind of desensitized to of seeing a problem you know, until we bring it out. And that's where it's kind of a struggle for them to say, wow, I to identify and accept that like, wow, this is actually an issue. And this is the problem. The whole time I thought maybe I'm doing something wrong on the nutrition side, I'm doing something wrong on the training side. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes it leads to the frustration usually, especially for a lot of women, where they're doing so much of everything where they're just like hoping that one day something magically changes. Mm -hmm. Like the seven day a week, you know, woman that's doing Orange Theory and training two to two hours a day and doing all of the two a day. Like we've seen it all mm -hmm. on, in, on the sub a thousand calories too. Yep. You know, yep. And logically, it, the body's not logic. <laughs> like in that sense, like your body's gonna naturally, you know, outsmart you. And you have to understand, like, the, if you continue doing these things, like, and nothing's working. You have to you have to redivert to another course of action. That that's not gonna it's not gonna end well for you. And that's why I see a lot of times where I see you know a lot of women that are suffering not from just hormonal problems from stress, um, but even like autoimmune uh, components of mm -hmm. things too, which just happened for such a long time that it's an accidental finding where they just didn't even realize it was a problem. And to the point where stress has just gotten the best of them and they just gotten very used to living in that level of, of, of 
environment. That yeah, I think that's interesting that you say we just adapt to it because that's exactly what it is. We adapt mm-hmm. to a new quote unquote normal and that's just normal. Um, I was speaking to someone yesterday who was telling me about his low energy levels, low libido, barely like was moving and that was his normal. And I said, well, what was your red flag? And he goes, honestly, it was my wife getting sick. That was the red flag because this was my normal. And so his wife was dealing with some things. Oh, and he started working at a new company where he had access to blood work. And so he thought, okay, well, nothing's wrong with me because this is my normal. This is, I'm fine, but I'm just going to get blood work. And they're like, uh, you know, your body doesn't, you know, produce growth hormone. And he's like, oh, Mm -hmm. Oh, (laughs) just led him down a crazy path where yesterday his wife was like, he has so much more energy now. It's amazing. So sometimes we do, we adapt and we say, oh, this is normal. This is my normal. Yeah. And that's just when you live in it for such a long time, you don't, you people tend to not know what it actually feels like to feel good because you've been living in, you've been living in that, in that environment for such a long time that you kind of get to the point where you're like, well, I really don't remember what it feels like to feel any other way. Yeah. Yeah. It's really sad actually. So a question that I get a lot is, um, does cortisol really influence fat loss and does it influence muscle gain? Because I do think that there are, and and I I like that they that I'm asked this question that people are getting curious about it and they're being cautious about it because I think with TikTok and and social media, sometimes people try to instill fear. They're like any rise in Absolutely. cortisol bad. Don't do, don't do intense workouts because cortisol rises and that's bad. It's like, well, no, not really. Like short spurts is fine. So, right. There's, there's a lot of who should I believe? What should I believe? And what are your thoughts on that? How does cortisol influence fat loss? Does it, does it influence muscle building either too? Yeah. And I, and the best answer is yes to both. And it absolutely can. Right. And I think that's exactly what you mentioned, right? Cortisol, when we think of it in its, you know, in a healthy state, it's an acute hormone that based off of the stress or the stimulation or response, it's going to move around pretty rapidly. And that's a perfectly healthy, you know, component to what our bodies in terms of handling stress, you know, um, in healthy individuals where cortisol is not a problem, it helps your blood sugar. It actually helps keep your blood glucose and your, your, your blood sugar metabolism in a really good, healthy state. You know, but where the problem lies is that when that acute response to cortisol becomes more chronic and we're not aware of it. And a lot of times, and I'll use this as an example because, you know, um, <laughs> this will probably give, give my age a little bit here, but I remember when I was, you know, active duty, like I would get off of work at four or five o'clock in the afternoon and then I would do like two scoops of the pre-workout where it's like four or 500 milligrams yeah. of caffeine, yeah. you know? And like, think about people even now. And that was like, whenever there was only like, only maybe one or two different types of energy drinks out there. Now there's like so many different companies <laughs> that have these things too. Uh-huh. So now, you know, you think of like the, the culture of like everyone, your average person is either going to do one, they're going to train either early before work, 
or they're going to train after work, right? Mm -hmm. That's typically kind of your norm for, for most people. And so when you think about it is that they're working all day, they're tired. And then when cortisol is supposed to be on its way down, we're re-spiking it because of four and 500 milligrams of caffeine, whether it's a pre-workout or it's an energy drink to get them through the workout, yeah. right? And so and this, is what I, this is what I mean from like an, a, what was once acute responses is now becoming chronic. And you're actually, without really knowing, is you're interrupting that cortisol response without realizing it, right? To get through a workout or a training bout. It's not to say like, in exactly like you said, with social media, it's easy to say, well, don't train at five o'clock. It's not good for your cortisol. Mm-hmm. No, there's other ways that we can kind of, you know, articulate that conversation, you know. Yeah, it's not probably ideal for you to be dependent on those types of stimulus to get you in the in the first place. But over time, that's going to impair things. That's going to cause problems with you know you might get through your workout, but then your sleep like we just talked about, quality of sleep is going to kind of suffer. You know, all of those things, and you're really kind of causing that abnormal problem. And so when we think about like fat loss or better body composition in terms of being able to maintain a, a certain level of composition that you desire that will start causing that was once was acute in terms of good blood sugar, it's going to start causing problems with abnormal blood sugar and your body's not going to be able to be efficiently handling, you know, that certain types of nutrition that you're really kind of asking of it at, at a certain period of time, you're going to cause problems with digestion. If you're not getting good quality of sleep and your, your sleep is now either shortened or you're not getting good quality sleep, it's going to disrupt your digestion. And it kind of, continues to just spiral down over time okay Mm -hmm. and that's going to cause some slowed fat loss that's going to cause some fat oxidation that will also lead into issues with skeletal muscle hypertrophy too because chronically elevated cortisol actually reduces muscle protein synthetic response so it's going to cause you know a problem there and it becomes which is when cortisol is naturally healthy it actually is anti-inflammatory, but with chronic, it's actually inflammatory. So it causes an inflammatory response that can disrupt all sorts of other things as well. That's going to kind of make you, now you're looking at like the body and physique development, but now you're also going to feel the effects mm-hmm. of, of like not feeling your best either. Yeah. I think the first time I experienced this as a coach, watching a client, she was, I would say, probably my star client. She was, she was incredible. She was this just beautiful mom. We lost, uh, working together, she was able to lose 20 pounds, really start building muscle too. We had her at maintenance and she was one of those who kind of type A personality. She's going to do it. She's going to do it really well. And she is going to track and she's going to track really, really well. And she just fell in love with the process. And, and then pretty soon she starts putting on weight and I'm like, okay, well, let's, let's pause and examine calories in calories out activity level. What's changed? Nothing food. What's changed? Nothing. Uh, what about, uh, the kinds of food? right? Like, are we still eating as many whole foods? Are you taking pictures? What does it look like? Like we're diving into this. And then she starts mentioning to me, there's some changes going on at home and it's making it a little bit harder to check in, but everything's fine. I'm still doing everything, but her weight just started ticking up. 
And I was like, what is going on? Come to find out um, there had been, she was going through a divorce. Oh, wow. And it was messy. And the family was being torn apart. And she's like, Lindsay, this is the one thing I can control though. And so I really am like kind of hyper-focusing on it almost because it's the one thing in my life I can control. So I'm being honest. This is energy in, this is energy out. And I was just like, this was the first time when I was like, is this chronic cortisol? Like, is this what's happening? And she almost started getting kind of a puffy look to her. It was interesting. Yeah. Almost where she's inflamed that you're seeing like a softer, yes. a softer level of. Mm-hmm. It was very fascinating. And so that was the first time I was like, is, oh, this was probably three and a half years ago. And that was the first time I was like, is there really something more to this whole cortisol thing, this chronic? So we had to really step away from training. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was just going to say, you know, it's funny you say that because for a lot of the clients I work with, they have so many like things going on. And a lot of times it really roots down to some things that maybe when we have a client that there are some things that we need to talk about outside of just nutrition and training that, you know, sometimes it's taken them back because they're like, wow, I didn't really think we were going to sit here and have this conversation about things not related to that. But it's like, I've always brought that. And I've always been a very open-minded and open person. And like, look, please understand if you don't feel comfortable with me asking this question or me telling like ask, talk, like bringing this up, please tell me and I, I, I won't. But I recognize that there's something deeper beyond what you and I are doing, right? And I don't want to see you spin your wheels if that is the bottleneck. And I want to see you happy. I want to see you thriving in life. And there was an interesting, this is also a couple of years ago, I acquired a client and I'll never forget this. She was almost in her 60s. Okay. A year ago, she ended up, she was a widow. So she, she ended up losing her husband to cancer, you know, about a year prior to coming to me. And so she'd gone through a lot personally. And she expressed all of this when we first talked. She had no idea how to track macros at all. So I was a little bit apprehensive of that approach too. But her and I talked and we hit it off really good in terms of conversation she was also a, uh, a business owner and she worked with a business partner. And so she was very regimented and scheduled. And so she's very organized. And she was the first person that when I asked, like, how is stress? And she's like, oh, probably a zero or a one. And I was really, really skeptical of that number. And because oftentimes it's like what you and I talked about earlier is like typically that one is like it's missing a zero behind it. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so. So I'm like, okay, well, we'll see, especially her telling me, you know, something she's been through over the last year. And honestly, Lindsay, when I tell you, we set her out the very first week, her macros were not perfect, but they were spot on. And it was the first time that I'm like, wow, very rarely do I ever get someone that's never done any of this stuff and really hit the ground running. Mm -hmm. And what she did is she ended up having a trainer that she would go to the gym. They would help her work out twice, uh, twice a week. And she played golf and tennis the rest of the time. She lives in South Florida. 
She moved from Illinois and she's just living like that very chill life. Mm -hmm. And when I set her macros, we ended up losing 30 pounds, right? She wanted to check her blood work to see where hormones, just out of curiosity. There was no stress. Mm -hmm. It was the first time that I've ever experienced when a one was literally a one Mm -hmm. in terms of stress. And it was clockwork. Very, very rarely do I ever have a woman one, they're postmenopausal, so I know there's probably like either non-existent hormones typically. Yeah. And linearly, we lost 25 to 30 pounds, like without blinking an eye. And it was like clockwork every week, every week. And she was really, really calm and collective. And, um, and the one thing I noticed, she never experienced any types of like, like menopause or any kind of like any of those hormonal things we like normally. And then after us working in for a year, she ended up getting into a relationship and she was also dealing with some things with her business partner. It's the first time she said that she's ever had like hot flashes and night sweats. Oh. And I was like, wow, this is pretty amazing to see like, cause we started, we were really smooth sailing. And then some things that kind of transpired in her life kind of started bringing some of these like internal, like stress things out from a mental perspective in conversation. She did great, but you can, cause she was always very open-minded of like, yeah, there's some things, mm-hmm. you know, things that weren't, weren't in my life whenever we first, when we first started, you know? So, but yeah, it was just fascinating to see that because typically we don't see it in that fashion. Yeah, we don't. That is really interesting that it would actually start affecting where she would have these symptoms that she didn't have before as she went through menopause. Yes, exactly. It is really, really fascinating. I tell you, I keep telling uh, coaches, the more you work with people, the more you realize how everybody is such an individual. It is. Yep. And there are like these considerations you have to take for some that you that you don't need to take for others. So what do you do? One, how do you show somebody who, because sometimes I'll talk to clients and they're like, you know, I'm not, I, oh, once in a while I have stress, but not really. And I'm like, really? Because the way you talk about things, it's actually in a very stressful way. Like I feel stressed when you're talking about things. Like it's almost sure. like can you can sense it. that. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, how do, how do you help somebody see, maybe you do and Maybe you're not as good as you are, you think you are dealing with it. And then what do, what can somebody do to lower their stress? How can we, what are some takeaways that people, as they're listening to this podcast, I don't want them to be like, okay, well, yeah, okay, now I'm like, I'm stressed out that I have stress. They're stressing about the stress. Yeah. Yes. No, I don't have anything. <laughs> like, what do I do about it? Yeah. I think sometimes it's just about slowing down and identifying that in, in, in kind of compartmentalize things that you can control. Right. And I think, Sometimes like bringing it and identifying it as a coach to the client as the problem, but then also not causing that to be, now they're so hyper-focused on the fact that like, okay, wow, now I do agree with my coach that there's a stress and now I got to be hyper-focused about controlling this variable Mm -hmm. because I've dealt with that a lot too. And so sometimes I, I really tell people like, slow down, like let's kind of just, you know, don't overthink it. You know, we're going to do this. There's times where I've had lab work or blood work or whatever the case may be. And there are some things that are kind of going on, but I've had to stop doing blood work and stop doing that because they've gotten so hyper-focused on what the blood work Mm -hmm. or the lab work says that it stresses them out. And it's no longer a helpful tool. Mm -hmm. 
you know? And so we've like, look, let's just be more in tune with how you feel. Let's control the controllables and let's not really stress about the things that you can't control. Mm -hmm. And I think over time, them being in tune and intentional with recognizing that actually helps, helps a ton, you know, with that. And so that way they're not so hyper-focused on the stress aspect, but more so identifying it and moving from it, right? And just being intentional. It's the same thing with nutrition and, 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 and training, you know, is being intentional with doing the things day to day that are really going to be putting in the deposit that's going to be positive. It's the same concept, right? It's the same concept of just kind of organizing and compartmentalizing yourself to something where you can be in control of. It's just like what you mentioned with your client, right? She had so much kind of dark going on that you were the only positive in her light. And that's why she was, she had a really strong hold on controlling that because it was the one thing that was positive mm-hmm. that she truly felt she can control. And so sometimes we have to really kind of do the same concept when someone's really dealing with a ton of stress, we're identifying it and maybe they're just now acknowledging and that, yeah, actually recognize that with you and this is an issue. So at that point you have to say, okay, this is how we're going to solve it. Like, don't worry about like trying to solve this stuff overnight, but let's like, what can we do to move the needle forward to kind of get some of this off your plate? Mm -hmm. And I think that's important. I think it's important that a lot of people really can be very selfless in terms of doing so many things for other people that they forget about themselves. And I think that's sometimes what us as coaches kind of identify in our clients. Mm -hmm. And now we have to hold them accountable for them to be more, you know, almost selfish to themselves, which is not a bad thing, right? Mm-hmm. Is, so they can they can tear they can take care of themselves and identify that. And I think over time that it's an art. It's like it's really it's just like anything else. Like as you do it, you become better at it. And for our clients, we need them to do the same thing. Once we've identified it, is like not overwhelm them. Oftentimes, and you can might be able to relate, but like sometimes there's clients that have very very high stress jobs you know, and that's a hard thing. Mm -hmm. Or maybe they might have someone that they work with. I've had someone literally, they would get on a call with me, we would do a monthly call. And every time we did the call, she was at work. And she would always be on her phone. And I can kind of sense that there was like some tension. And then she would lock her door in her office. And apparently she must have not locked her door. And her boss came flying in. And like the phone fell, but I can hear everything. Mm. (laughs) And so like, and you can tell immediately when I heard that I felt so bad the way the, you know, her, her superior was like talking down on her, you know, as a person that I could tell like there was just really, really toxic work environment. Mm. That was like the biggest culprit to everything she was dealing with. And when she left that job, that's when we started making progress. Mm. we actually started making progress when that ha- when when she left that environment it's so hard when it's people and family and when it's mm-hmm. work right it's hard because those are the two that it's like i can't tell you not to speak to that person again exactly. or i can't tell you right exactly <laughs> i did actually have somebody i was talking about stress a, f- a few weeks ago and a woman wrote in was like, okay, I've tried meditation. I've tried all the quote unquote things. What pill can I just take that takes it all (laughs) away? And I'm like, I love this question because I feel like it's so genuine. 
I feel like it's so yes. just, she's, she's at a point where she really, really wants help. And so I was like, I, I almost feel silly telling you to take supplements like theanine or ashwagandha because it's like, yeah, but there's clearly other deeper things that have to be taken care of. And, but the deeper work is the hard work and people want to avoid it. It is. It's the uncomfortable stuff. Yeah. Most of the, most of the progress is in the most uncomfortable things that you have to typically work on. But those were, that's where longevity comes from too, though. It's working mm-hmm. on those things and, and, and you retain all of this stuff, but it is, it's not an easy, it's not easy for anyone, client or coach, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> we're human too. Yeah, exactly. Like the first steps that somebody can take, we kind of discussed kind of taking mm-hmm. an inventory of your life. Yes. Seeing what you mm-hmm. can get off your plate. I love teaching people that like no is a complete sentence. You can say it and that's okay. I had somebody in my church actually come over to my house and she said, can you serve and give an uh, an hour nutrition talk? And I said, ah, no. <laughs> Like, God forgive me. (laughs) I just said no. And she seriously stepped back and looked at me and she's like, why? She's taken back. It's just an hour. I said, oh, but it's not just an hour because I homeschool. I run a business. There are things going on in my personal life. They're very heavy. I didn't tell her that part, but I did say, oh, it's it's not just an hour though, because preparation takes a lot of work. And not only that, you may think, oh, we'll just throw something together. That's not how my mind works. This will be heavy on my mind for the next month until I stand before this class and give this discussion. And right now in my life, I have to I, I have to hold this boundary and I can't. And yes. that was really, really hard because I had just moved into this neighborhood. I was probably, I was thinking this woman is going to walk away and think, well, she's not service oriented. And I had to put that out of my mind and just be like, right now, I have to think about my mental and emotional well-being and my family and my business. And when those things are in order, I can branch out. But I I don't think that, I don't know, for me, that's a hard thing for me to learn was when I learned to say no to people in those uncomfortable situations. Yeah, no, and I can relate to that. That's definitely something that even as a coach, as an educator that I have oftentimes had challenging times with telling someone no and um and navigating it you know but you know at times you have to you have to you have no choice in order to kind of fill your own cup recharge your own battery in order so that you can not just serve someone but serve them to the best of their ability that they deserve because you've given yourself that ability to show up that way but it takes time for you to do that you Mm -hmm. have to be be a little bit in, in in that care and that case, like have that boundary for yourself. Yeah. Yeah. And it definitely is a skill to, (laughs) to 
to practice that. It is, absolutely. To practice having those boundaries. So taking things off of your plate, learning to say no. I I think learning what's really essential in life. I, I, I always go back to this with my clients. Is it a want or is it a need? Because we have these two buckets and I think we take all of our wants yep. and we dump it in and we say they're needs. And I'm like, they're not, they're not. Like they're really not. Is it really? <laughs> is yeah. it really? I don't think that six pack is a need. In fact, I think when I think of a need, I think of like at your funeral, what are people gonna say about you? Mm. I think that applies. Nobody's gonna if they if all they can talk about is your six pack, that's actually, in my opinion, that's a failure of a life. Sure. Yeah, I would agree with that. And that's, so that's, that's not a need, but those things that they talk about at your funerals, those are general needs. So let's make sure that those are met and fulfilled. (laughs) Everything else can be off of your plate right now. I feel like gut and hormones are very much on everybody's mind. They're being talked about a ton, sometimes in unhealthy ways that make everybody walk around saying, oh, well, it's just my hormones when really it's the, just like their life choices and, and general lifestyle. Yep. But sometimes like how how does cortisol affect hormones? What hormones does it affect? Yeah. So, and this is a really good question. And the way I really try to explain this to people is that when we think of cortisol, it is kind of the the trigger of like the cascade of things. And again, sometimes you're going to be asymptomatic. So again, that's why oftentimes people don't really identify as they're stressed because they don't really necessarily feel it if they've been in that environment for such a long time. But what ends up happening is that when they start to develop problems with whether it's their thyroid hormones or it's their sex hormones, usually because it's going so far you know, down that road to now they do recognize and they do feel a certain way. So, and, and a lot of times people can say, well, I'm having problems with losing weight because of my hormones, right? It's a kind of very generalized statement at that point, you know, Mm -hmm. and typically you can, you can have bottomed out sex hormones and still lose weight and oxidize some fat if the thyroid is in a good place, right? The problem with that is you're not going to feel good doing it. Some of those sex hormones like testosterone and, you know, all of those things, those things help you feel good. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because we've had conversations so much coming from like a, um, a bodybuilding background and the physique development is that sometimes when you're getting down to the single digits of levels of conditioning, it might look great. It doesn't feel great. Oh, yeah. You feel like <laughs> crap. Like well, at least I did. Yeah, exactly. So there's a lot to take away when we think about like our ability being in the physique, you know, development world and maybe started out that way to what we see with our own clients, right? You know, we've been to the extreme of the extreme when it comes to being that lean Mm -hmm. and know that the correlation of how you feel versus how you look are not on the same page, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And so oftentimes when you look at for somebody that maybe it's not looking to achieve that level of conditioning, but they just want to be in a good body composition, they want to be healthy, you know, that that's all going to be relative. And if you've dealt with some chronic stress that's been kind of unknown for such a long time typically when you start feeling really bad it's typically when the sex hormones are really kind of bottomed out at that point and the sex hormones are like the bottom you think of that like cortisol specifically is kind of the trigger that can one when we talk about like you mentioned um gut health as being 
very, very, not, I wouldn't say popularized, but it's definitely commonly talked about mm-hmm. nowadays, right? You hear that everyone is talking about it. And that's because a lot of these things are all connected. Cortisol is going to slow down your GI tract. It's going to slow down digestion. And this is why we see so many people that are dealing with problems with digestion, bloating all the time, uh, constipation is a, is a big issue for a lot of people. And what ends up happening is that when you start dealing with all of those types of things, they start trickling to just continuously add more stress on the body that ends up as a byproduct, which was once okay, is now a peripheral problem that's going to end up getting affected as a because of those other things that were starting to kind of um, add up and accumulate. Okay, so we see that sex hormone, hormones go down, but people can still lose weight. They just feel like crap. Mm-hmm. Because their thyroid's in a good place. Yeah. At what point does it start affecting thyroid, and or does it? It will. Yeah. Exactly. So with cortisol being always elevated, it will start to impair the way thyroid hormones are actually binding to our our thyroid receptors. And so one of the things that we we think about, especially for women specifically, if you kind of look statistically at the demographic of gender specifics of who has more problems with thyroid, male versus female, there's a reason why we see such a, a high rate of um, hypothyroidism in women and not so much in men. And a lot of that is because the active thyroid hormone plays a large role in terms of having majority of those receptors on your skeletal muscle. So that's why typically if I'm working with someone and I'm trying to improve body composition, I am 100%, not only am I worrying about recovery, I want to recruit skeletal muscle hypertrophy because if I have, if you have more muscle on your frame, you're going to also have that ability to not only maintain better body composition, but it's going to help because your thyroid is more likely to be thriving at that point. If your thyroid is like, let's say somebody found out that they had really low like T3 conversion Mm -hmm. where they're like, oh, that's just not even happening. Would that impact somebody's ability to put on muscle? Yeah. So a low T3 is going to be typically, because T3 is one of the ones that increases your insulin sensitivity and it increases your muscle protein synthetic response. So uptake of what your consumption is for better um, skeletal muscle hypertrophy. So low T3, that active thyroid hormone is going to be pretty closely associated with keeping that MPS going. So that has a huge impact on pretty much everything that people want with body recomp as far as fat loss and building muscle. That is going to be huge. I've had to, uh, there have been doctors I've had that then I changed and got a new doctor when I didn't have to argue with, but some doctors won't even pull that. They won't even look at reverse T3. Like what, why is that? All they wanted to look at was my TSH. Yeah, a lot of a lot of it is because what you have to realize is like most doctors are there to diagnose disease, right? They're not necessarily looking for optimization of your body in terms of quality of life, right? At least not in the traditional medicine model, right? They're to you're either diagnosed with a disease for medication purposes or and that's it, right? Mm-hmm. And so typically the a lot of your symptoms and your quality of life is going to suffer from that. Because those things are not really being paid attention to. So in that, if that's the case, there's not a need for them to look at T3. There's not a, le- a need for them to look at reverse, 
right? They're only looking at TSH to see if there's a problem with the pituitary and that's it. That's also the reason why they give just T4. Typically, if somebody is dealing with thyroid problems, they just give them T4 and they're just, you're kind of stuck relying your body to like basically do its thing to, and that's why you have responders and non-responders to that medication. Mm. Not a lot of people do well with it by itself. That is so fascinating to me to listen to you talk about this because um, just trying to build more muscle, there was a good year where I I was stuck. I was doing all of the things I was doing. My nutrition was on point. Um, my training was on point and there was just nothing. Mm-hmm. And um, that was when I started learning more and, and learning more about how I needed to see T3. Like I needed to really ask them yes. to pull that as well. I needed to ask them to look at testosterone and progesterone and estrogen and mm-hmm. um, anyways, that was when they actually discovered that I just had bottomed out on T3. And so they started medicated me on that. And it was fascinating because the two years after that, that is when my my build, it was probably my best build I've ever had. I was going to ask you that. Yeah. Like how was that like experience now that like you've had better T3 and like from a physique development, I imagine that you feel much better aesthetically probably improved. It was really, really cool to see the difference. And I love getting DEXAs. I have a company over here that nearby that's always like, come and just get them for free. So I'm always going in there. That was, I was shocked because I had literally gone in there for a year and a half, barely, I don't even think it, if I remember correctly, hadn't even really put muscle on during that time, which is so mm. discouraging because this is my business. Sure. My my um, focus is on hypertrophy and I can barely squeeze out. And I'm thinking there's no way I've hit my potential. <laughs> like I know that. <laughs> I, guess, sure. I know that for a fact. <laughs> and so that was really, really, really frustrating. So not only when they started t- having me take medication for my T3, um, not only like it helped everything, like literally everything. So not only did I build more muscle, my energy levels went way up. Yes. I went from, you know, getting about 8,000 steps to now I'm just like 12, 13, 14,000 because I'm a mover. I feel so good. My cuts, when I do go into a cut, they feel way better than they did before. Mm-hmm. So it's been, it has made all the difference for me. And that's kind of why I wanted to ask, like, how much does that, did that influence? I felt like it influenced the muscle. And I was curious about your opinion. Yeah, it's a huge influence. And like, it's interesting that you say that because it's, it's, it's great to see, to hear that too, because a lot of times we associate that like our fatigue or tiredness or even skeletal muscle hypertrophy is always driven to the conversation of testosterone, mm-hmm. okay? And I, I'd be more than happy to send the study to you, but there's a clear difference in terms of when we look at like skeletal muscle hypertrophy in females and why T3 is so important for that versus if you're over-medicated with um, TRT for, as a woman and you have such high testosterone, it actually does the opposite. It actually can cause insulin resistance. It can also cause increases in more adipose 
if it's too high. And because the primary driver. That's so popular now. Like that is getting really, really popular, especially in 40s and 50s. Women are really starting to turn to that more. Did I tell you my experience? We'll, we'll end on this. My experience getting a pellet. And um, the doctor didn't, well, the guy that I went to, I quickly found out that he was not the, the one for me. <laughs> but sure. he, he put a pellet in and um, the dosage was so high that my voice changed. It deepened. It started cracking. Mm. I started getting facial hair. Like it was so high and it like scared me to death. Cause I'm like, I feel like a 15 year old boy like this. It was wild. So after that, I went to somebody else and they were like, Oh, you never put in a pellet first. You always get the dosage down before you even go into any type of route of that. Whenever I can, I tell people that because they're so popular now. They're very popular because it's easy and convenient for some people. And so like when I worked in the clinic, that was one of the primary things that a lot of the doctors did was the uh, the bioidentical pellets. Mm-hmm. And I, I've seen so many because we used to have a work phone and I had, had so many patients that would literally send me pictures of just their hip. They're like, is this, is this normal? Because their body's literally rejecting the pellet and it's pushing it through the skin. Oh, no way. Yeah. And so like their immune system was just not having it. So it was resistant to the pellet. And they were, it, you can see it like they had the incision done, but it wasn't even coming out through the incision. It was coming in through like the skin. The body is just trying to resist it. Get it out. And I'm like, nope, that's definitely not normal. I'll, I'll notify the doctor so they can give you a call. Yeah. So do you, do you suggest then using like a cream or just injection? I think injection, you have a better ability to, to control, you know, the half-life on an injection is obviously typically for like testosterone is going to peak around 72 hours. So after about three days, you're going to get a peak before it kind of comes back down. And so it's a lot easier to adjust dose based off of symptom and how you feel. Mm -hmm. Right. And so some cases, just from my experiences, what I've saw is that taking one dose and breaking it in two and having it every uh, fourth day. So basically if you do an injection on a Sunday, you do another one on like a Wednesday or a Thursday and it kind of keeps you kind of even keel instead of hitting those high peaks and drastic valleys, Mm. if you will, that you're going to become symptomatic again. So catching it there kind of keeps even keel and you can control, you know, what's going on. Plus you're less, less chances of having such a high bolus amount is going to reduce the chances of aromatizing to estrogen. Mm. So when you use something like that, you want it to be intended for its therapeutic use. You want it to stay testosterone and not convert to estrogen or some of the other things that would cause more negative um, side effects there. Hmm. That's interesting. Okay. We could do a whole other podcast on that, but we won't for today. Oh, we absolutely we- could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we really could. Well, thank you so much for coming on Gillis. This was a great conversation and I'm really excited to, to introduce a lot of my listeners to you. Go follow Gillis. You don't share that much on social media. You're not like a, I'm a hermit when it comes to the <laughs> social media platforms. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Yeah, I probably, and I've always like, even my wife is like, you should probably get on more. William's always trying to get me on to it. And I'm like, you know, it's not that I dislike it. I just don't do it a lot. I don't know. No, you're not missing out on anything. I feel like, um, 
it, it is a hard, well, no, I love connecting with people. So I think that that's fun. Yes, same. But it is hard posting every single day. So I I totally get that. But for those listening, go and follow him. Ask him questions. You're you're a great teacher. You have you really do have a good depth of hormones of this subject. Um, I've Thank you. Thank listened you. to you talk about it and just love learning from you. And so hopefully, thank you. Hopefully, those that need help with this can connect with you and find the help that they need. That's, that's really what I want. I want to connect people so that they can find help. Yeah. Same. Yeah. A lot, you know, a lot of people just really need that, that ability to know that there's options. And I think that's sometimes where I think people feel stuck. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. Well, thanks so much, Gillis. And thank you everybody for joining us today. You guys have a wonderful week.